Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. It's great to see everybody. Glad you're here. And we're just going to take a few moments and we're going to talk a little bit about a couple passages, a couple verses in the book of Philippians. And so you're good. So, you know, we'll just take a few minutes and uh, then we'll be dismissed. Um, Paul, the guy that wrote this boy, he wrote this letter, right? He wrote this letter to a church in the, in the city of Philippi in the first century. He writes this letter in typical letter fashion. He greets the people, says, hey, how you doing? Uh, you know, you guys are just amazing people. And then he writes a few more verses. We're going to write, we're going to read those. But Paul has this amazing ability, no matter what the, what the situation he's in the middle of, to be like okay with it. In fact, not just to be okay with it, he actually has joy in the midst of it. I can picture Paul doing this. Like, I can picture Paul just, just coming up with some crazy thing that happened. Like, hey, I was, you know, walking along and I got hit by a bus and I can't walk and I can't, I can't really do a whole lot, but, but I can still talk, and so it's cool. And he'd be that way about it, because that's Paul's perspective. And you'll understand it in just a minute, because, because Paul writes this from prison. He had served time in prison in Philippi, and he's writing back to them again, but now he finds himself in another prison. And he's filled with joy, and full of joy, and is writing a letter to his friends at the church of Philippi, and they're looking for a report, Paul. They're thinking, all right, here's the place where he gets to the time where he says, all right, hey, great, glad you, you know, it's kind of like a college student writing home, right, when they used to actually write letters, now it's just a text. But, but, here's the way it would go. Now, in text world, it would just go, hi, mom and dad, send money, Right? I mean, that's just the way the text would be, and, and that's just the way it would work. Well, they're, they're expecting an update on Paul's life and how things are going in prison. And Paul doesn't give them that. In verse 12, he says, and now I want you to know, and this is where they thought, okay, this is where, this is where I get the update. And now I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that's happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And, and because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Look, despite what the Philippians see as a negative event, I, I don't know about you, but, but being in prison would, to me, seem like a negative event. Right? Paul doesn't see it that way. Paul sees it as, I'm in prison, so what? The gospel's being preached. I, I'm able to do this. Paul's like, hey, because I'm here, like these people are hearing the message of Jesus. Everyone here is hearing the message of Jesus, including the whole palace guard. They're hearing. They know that I'm in chains because I'm following Jesus. So they're having this conversation. And be, because of my imprisonment, like believers have gained confidence. Now, that makes absolutely no sense to me. Right? Because I'm in prison, people are gaining confidence to speak and teach about Jesus. That, that makes no sense, but that's exactly what took place. 
And then Paul lays out people that are preaching the gospel since he's been in prison. And, and like, in our lives, like, motives matter, right? Like, you, you, you know that there are people that you have a conversation with and they have a motive, right? They, they, I, I look, this week, something's happening on Tuesday, the primary. Like, politicians are easy target, right? Because they like to do things for the photo op, right? I mean, they, they want to be seen doing good stuff. See, they have a motive. Their motive is they want to be elected, so they're going to look good in certain situations. That's what they do. It's, it's what they need to do. Well, motives matter, but that's interesting. Because Paul starts to talk about some of the people preaching, and in verse 15 he says, it's true that some of the preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motive. They preach because they love me, for they know I've been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely intending to make my chain more painful for me. <laughs> now we have two camps here. We have the people who preach because they love Paul, love Jesus, and they want to they preach the gospel. And then there's the others that are preaching out of bad motives. And they are using Paul's misfortune to advance themselves. That's where we have to find ourselves at a moment and go, what do I do and what are my motives like? Like, why do I do the things that I do? Are they being done for the right reasons? Why am I doing them? And, and this is where we see as principle of the gospel that Paul's like, look, I don't care what motive you, you're preaching from. Preach Jesus. And, and that's what Paul said. So, so it goes on in verse 18, and it's pretty interesting. But that doesn't matter. Whether preaching from whether motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice. People are making my circumstances rougher. Hey, I'm rejoicing because they're preaching the gospel. For I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. The people preached out of selfish ambition and pure motives are still communicating the message of Jesus. And Paul rejoices. He's like, it's cool. M motives, though, have a bearing on the individual. But it doesn't negate the truth, right? I mean, it's still true whether the person has bad motives or not. Paul has an incredible perspective. He rejoices. He rejoices because the message of Jesus is being preached and people are responding to Jesus. All right, next section of the letter. Paul seems to be having an argument with himself. And in order to help you understand the argument that Paul's having, we're going to play a quick game. And people are going to get okay with that? Here's the problem. If you lose, you get slimed. All right, just kidding. Just kidding. No slime involved. But you saw the fun we had. You want to do it. It doesn't come out real well. Like, it kind of sticks in the hair a little bit. You would think that'd come out a little easier, but not. it doesn't. Okay, so it, it, the game is the or game. O-R. Okay, I'm going to give you choices between two things. You've got to choose which one is better. Simple, simple. All right, here we go. First picture, a beach or a mountain? 
You only get one choice, okay? You can't have like both. All right. Yeah, all right. See, all right. N- number two, here we go. Corvette or Tesla? Right? I mean, okay. Uh, here you go. This is a little tougher. DC or Marvel? I like this. You people are enjoying this. All right, here, here, here you go. Cheesecake or creme brulee? Oh, 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 oh. there's about to be a fight now. <laughs> okay, okay, now I just got this to tell you. It's about the only thing I can do in a kitchen. See that caramelized thing on top of that creme brulee with a torch? Oh, it's about the only thing I can do in a kitchen, but I know how to caramelize sugar. Right? I mean, that's... All right. Here you go. Next one. Guitars. Gretsch or Telecaster? Everybody's like, uh, duh, duh, duh. We don't care. But the musicians in the room, they're like, all right, it matters. All right, hear about this one. Time with friends or reading by yourself? All right, last one. Last one. Narnia or Lord of the Rings? (laughs) Okay, here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Some of, you had, some of you had easy time where you could make a decision. But sometimes those are really hard decisions. Like in first service, when I threw up cheesecake or creme brulee, people were like, both? Can't do that. You got to choose one or the other. And this is what Paul was faced with. He was faced with choices between two really, really good things. He was trying to figure out which one he would choose. And that's this next passage of Scripture. It says in verse 20, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between the two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which is far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Look, in most translations, verse 21 finishes by saying, dying is gain. Paul Paul puts these two things together. Life is lived for Christ. And the end of life is to be with Christ. To live is to join into the good work with Christ. If he is put to death, which is what he was facing, he will be with Christ. Either way, he's sharing in the hope of Christ. Look, look, too often, too often we focus our Christianity on the gain of being with Christ. Now, we want to just be there and be done. And we've diminished the good work of being with Christ and living it out now. Like we we have to live out the call of Jesus today. We can't only want to get to heaven. We want to focus there. Like we've got to keep our eyes focused on heaven as a motivation for what we do here. Like always keeping the eye on the prize, but recognizing that's got to be lived out in the here and now. Like we've got to make a difference in the lives of people around us because of heaven. Look, we all want to be there. We all want to go there. Be just like Paul, we know that for us to die is to be with Jesus. If we're a follower of Jesus, if we've accepted Jesus as 
forgiveness and what he's done on the cross for us. Look, look, we got heaven to look forward to. But that has to inform what we do right here and now. It has to be the thing that motivates us to, to carry on and do the work. Look, Paul is saying, think about this for just a minute. Paul's been imprisoned multiple times. He's been beaten multiple times. He's been shipwrecked, bitten by snakes. He, he's experienced a lot of garbage in his life. And he says, from a prison cell, it's better for you if I stay. It's better for you that I put up with all that I'm putting up with in order for you to become who God wants you to be because I am going to pour into your life while I'm still on this planet. If I'm gone, better for me. If I live here, it's better for you. That raises a huge question. Who is it better for that you're still here? Who are you making a difference in their life because you're still here. See, because if you can make a difference in someone's life, you've got a mission. And you've got to live it. And you've got to live it with this intentionality towards heaven because that's where we're ultimately going. But what are we doing today that is preparing others for heaven? What are we doing today that's encouraging somebody else toward Jesus? Like, what, what are we doing with our lives that gets others ready for heaven. See, Paul wasn't worried about being ready for heaven. He was there. He was ready. I mean, he knew that if those guys came and were going to kill him that day, he was ready. And he knew for me to die is gain. I'm going to be with Christ. But for me to live is Christ. And it's better for you. So he goes on and writes in verse 25, knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what He is doing through me. Paul sees that for himself, being with Christ is better. But if he wants others to share in that great reward of being with Christ, he must labor on. He must continue to work. Look, and one of the things we've got to recognize is there's never a moment of Scripture. And I, if you're retired, that's not the point, okay? Look forward to retirement, all right? But there's never a part in Scripture where there's retirement. Like, I don't know what your thoughts are about Charles Stanley, but, but Charles Stanley's in his 80s, right? And he's like, I am never retiring, okay? I'm going to keep preaching the gospel, keep, keep preaching the gospel until the day I die. He's going to keep going, right? And that's what he said. And look, as a scriptural-based principle, that's absolutely true. There's never a time to retire. That doesn't mean you shouldn't retire from your work, okay? I'm not saying you shouldn't, like, get to 65 or whatever and retire 70, whatever it comes out to be. I don't know what 85 when I'm there, but I don't know. So, so whatever you get to, wherever you can retire, God bless you, retire from your work world. Never retire from your ministry world. It may change. It may become a different ministry world, but, but, but never retire. Because there's still too much work to be done. There's still too much. Look, look, if Paul could have that perspective of being beaten and imprisoned 
and all those things. He said, you know what? I'm going to put up with all of that stuff so that you can be better off. Verse 18 says, oh, this is from 2 Corinthians. He wrote a letter to 2 Corinthians, to, to the church at Corinth, and we find it in chapter 5, verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Look, when we look at this, like, we celebrate this, right? When, when we, I mean, just, just think in terms of, of life and movies. Right? When, when, when we watch something like life and we see marriages reconciled or relationships reconciled, we're like, yeah, look, I know you celebrate that. Because some of you will watch a movie where a dog has run off and comes home. And you got tears running down your face over it. You're like, my dog came home. It's just a movie. But we like that restoration process. That's exactly what Paul's referencing here. There's this restoration process between God and man. And look, wherever you find yourself today, God has been pursuing you and He wants to restore that relationship with you. He sent Jesus to do that. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to restore relationships. He, he came to restore ours with God. And look, that's exactly the reason Paul was willing to stay on his planet and to suffer and to go through all he did because he knew that he was the messenger. He was the person who was given the responsibility to bring the message of reconciliation to people around him. Just as we are. We are given that message of reconciliation to be carried to the people around us. Pastor Mike already read it. It's from John 3, 17. God did not send His Son into this world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Jesus came to reconcile us to God. To make everything right between us and God so that we might experience heaven. And we are co-workers of that truth. So, of the two good things we could choose to live as Christ today and to reconcile the world back to us or, or to be with Christ in heaven, right? We're still here. And Paul had that amazing perspective. And look, Paul's life, Paul's perspective is so amazing. Okay. If I have to sit through a red light because somebody in front of me doesn't go, I'm not happy. Paul sits in prison and says, this is wonderful. Because being here, the gospel is going all over the place. If I had that confidence because I had to sit through a red light, I'd, I'd probably be better off too. It's hard when you go through difficulty to keep the eye on the realization that God is working through those moments. 
Paul's okay with it. Okay, so let's finish with a couple questions. How is your attitude toward difficult circumstances? What tough circumstance can you let God use for His glory and furthering the Gospel? Who are you bringing closer to Jesus? One of the cool things about a week like Vacation Bible School, you never know what a few moments is going to do in a child's life. Okay? I had this moment this week where Rianne said that she brought, she brought her, her niece with her this week to Vacation Bible School. Your niece is eight. And it immediately caught me because I looked at her and said, Rianne, never discount what you're doing for your niece at this moment. I'm where I'm at today because of my aunt and uncle's two-week investment when I was eight years old. I was eight years old. My aunt and uncle kept me for a summer. I know, I know. I was perfect. It was all joy for them. There was no, no difficulty whatsoever. They didn't have to go change their routine at all. Because <laughs> I was such a perfect child. I'm lying right now in case you didn't know. Just want to be clear, okay? But that moment changed my life. That moment of spending two weeks with them and them taking me to, taking me to church with them changed my life. And change the trajectory of my life. Change everything about my life. At, at an eight-year-old moment, it made that much of an impact and changed where I headed. Never underestimate what can happen. In a small investment in someone's life, just, just in a brief encounter, a conversation, whatever, whatever it is, Paul, Paul recognized that his life, the, the minutes and the months and the maybe years that he had left to live, he knew that those moments were going to mean something for people. Your life means something for other people. Your life pursuing Jesus is going to mean something in other people's lives. It's going to make a difference. Count on it. If you'll just Follow Christ. So another question. Who are you bringing closer to Jesus? Who is it? Who is it that needs you to continue pouring into their life? There should be people coming to mind. You should be thinking names and faces. You should be understanding there's people that are going to have an, you're going to have an impact on them and they're going to be, lives are going to be different because you are still living on this planet. That, that's, we, we ought to have those kinds of pictures in our head. Because that's what Paul had. Paul knew as he sat in that prison cell and wrote that letter, he's like, because I live, the Philippian church is going to be better. Those people are going to be better. They're going to follow Jesus. They're going to be strengthened with the Gospel. And right now, almost like you're penning a letter, you should be going, oh, Joe is going to be better because I am still on this planet. You, you ought to recognize that your life matters that much that you are going to have a difference made in somebody else's life because God has given you more breath. 
We ought to have confidence in that. That's exactly what God is saying to every one of us today. Your life matters. Not just for you. It matters for the impact you're going to make. Who are you helping to be strengthened in the faith? Who are you making Jesus known to? Whose life is going to be different because you are pursuing Jesus? Let's pray. Lord, thank You for this morning. Thank You, God, for what You're doing in all of our lives. And Lord, thank You for lives changed and kids impacted and families impacted and all that, God, from this week. I pray, Lord, Your blessing on all that's going on. And Lord, I pray in these closing moments, Lord, that You would be honored and glorified. Lord, I pray if there's anybody in this room this morning who doesn't know You, who's never chosen to follow You, walked in here because somebody invited them, walked in here for whatever reason, and they're just here. Maybe they've heard about You. Maybe they've followed You once in the past, but, but they recognize they need to follow You. They want life to be different. They want to be able to navigate difficulty with hope and difficulty with joy because that's what You're able to do in us. God, I pray that that would be decisions that would be made this morning. God, that people would say, today, I'm going to make a decision to follow Jesus. I'm going to make a decision to live my life honoring God because of what Jesus did for me on a cross. God, speak, I pray, in these moments. Lord, for every one of us, I pray that we would recognize the people that you have placed before us that we can have impact on. God, that you will do something through us in powerful ways. God, even in the midst of difficult moments, where we would see you at work. Lord, be glorified and honored in our lives. God, help us to see with perspective the great things you're going to do through us. How valuable our lives are in this world of bringing people to you. Lord, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name.